Okay, shalom everybody. Thank you for joining in this hectic time. Um, I was asked a good question today by somebody. And the question was, who are we to determine who is a real tzaddik and who's not? Who, how do we have the chutzpah, the audacity to know who, who, where someone else is holding? I can say, oh, he's a tzaddik, he's a tzaddik. How, do, how does it work? The answer is, you're right. We, we, can't, we can't determine who's a tzaddik, who's not a tzaddik. So then how do you know who's a tzaddik? It's the tzaddikim themselves who open up the doors for us. To explain, when you have, for example, the Arizal writing in his teachings about the greatness of the tzaddikim, etc., and what they do, so that automatically means he's holding at that level. Because if, if that's not the case, how else would he know how to convey to us what a tzaddik does? When in the Zohar also, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, or any other of the, of the Tanaim who are writing the, the Zohar, Amoraim, whatever, when they bring, bring forth also greatness and what tzaddikim and the power that they have, and also pinpointing he's a tzaddik and that, they have, they're holding at that level, okay? So too, Rabbi Nachman in his book, Likuti Moran, he explains what a tzaddik emet does, okay? What a tzaddik does and everything. So now, Rav Nosen had a disciple. His name was Rav Nosen, uh, Rav, Na, um, Rav Moshe Breslaver. Sorry, Rav Moshe Breslaver. His family name was Moshe Lubarsky. He was once asked by somebody, who is Rabbi Nachman talking about in his book, Likutei Moran, when he's talking about the Tzaddik Emet does this, the Tzaddik Emet does that, the Tzaddik Emet, the Tzaddik Emet. This is the definition of a Tzaddik Emet. Who is he referring to? So Moshe Breslover answered the person, it seems that Pharaoh was smarter than you. Why? Because when Pharaoh, you know, when Yosef came before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh told over to Yosef his dream about the seven thin cows and the, the seven fat cows being swallowed by the seven thin cows, and the seven stalks, the thin stalks swallowing up the seven thick ones, and the interpretation is that there's going to be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine and the seven years of famine is going to swallow up all of the good in the years of the plenty and it will be so so severe that you can you you won't be you won't even be able to remember that there were good days there were good times okay and then Yosef went on to tell Pharaoh because of this you have to appoint somebody trustworthy to be in charge of the king's otsarot his storages so that in the seven years of plenty There'll be enough crop stored up so they'll have what to eat in the seven years of famine. So what did Pharaoh say? Pharaoh said to Yosef and to all of his advisors at the time, En chacham venavon kamocha. You, Yosef, can, there be, can we seek out, like Rashi explains there, even if we seek out, can we find someone who is as wise and smart as you? Meaning what? If you, Yosef, at Sadiq, know the problem and know the solution to the problem, that must mean you are that person. You, Yosef, are the one who has to be appointed. Because you know what the problem is. You explained it clearly in a very acceptable manner. And then you said the solution. So I, if you know the solution and the problem, you must be that person. So he said, Ramosha Breslaver, if Pharaoh can figure it out, you also can figure it out. 
In other words, the tzaddikim, they themselves tell us about their greatness. That's how you know who's a true tzaddik. It's coming from their mouth. You would think, how could they do that? How could they do that? It's based on the Midrash and Gemara's and Zohar's interpretation of a verse in Mishle, in Proverbs. The verse reads like this, Let someone else, a foreigner, praise you, and not your own mouth. You're forbidden to begin to boast, you know, I'm this, I'm that, I'm a big shot and everything, okay? You're not allowed, okay? So this applies also to a Tamit Chacham, a Tzadik, a Torah scholar. He's not allowed to go and boast, you know, I'm a big rabbi and everything, I'm a big Torah, Torah scholar and everything, okay? But watch what the Zohar, that's the Pshat, that's the simple translation of this verse. Yalil Chazar Velo Picha. Let someone else praise you and out your own mouth. Now watch the Zohar, watch the Midrash, what the Gemara, what they do. Yalelcha zar, period. Let someone else praise you, period. Velo, comma, but if nobody knows your true greatness, nobody knows who you really are, so then, picha, your mouth, you the tzaddik, you the Torah scholar, you must open your mouth. Just a small analogy, what it's compared to. Somebody's dying, he's sick. And as a doctor who can heal him, but the doctor says, no, no, I'm not a doctor, no, I can't. You're nuts, the guy's dying. Stop your false humility and go run to save him. The exact same thing by tzaddikim. They have to reveal to us of their greatness. That's the definition of a true tzaddik. They reveal to us about themselves. Why? So that I know I can turn to them for advice, not for their own benefit, but that's, that's how Hashem designed the Torah. There's Hashem, Moshe and the Torah, right? Hashem Emet, Moshe Emet, the Torah to Emet. It's three levels. It's not just Hashem and the Torah. Hashem designed the Torah that there is, in a sense, an intermediary. Why? As a guide, an instructor, a teacher, a master of prayer who can be there for us. That is a tzaddik. That's a tzaddik. That's a true tzaddik. A true tzaddik is not looking for personal honor. He's looking to help Am Yisrael come back to Hashem, period. But that can only happen if the tzaddik lets known his greatness. That way you can turn to him. It's like, again, the funny analogy. You have that, sometimes these big professors, these big doctors and everything. And in their office, they have on the wall behind their head all of the degrees. You know, he's a, a graduate of Harvard and of MCI and this and that. He has all of his, his degrees on the wall. Why does he do that? Because he wants to convince you, trust me. Put your trust in me. I can help you. Okay, how much it's true or not, I don't know. But the doctors, they do this so that you should know who you're talking to. That this person has reliability so you can rely on him. So too in the spiritual domain. Why, why is it different? Why should it be different? The tzaddikim have to yes open their mouth, let you know what a true tzaddik is, and if they already, like we said in the, now the story from Rav Moshe Breslover, if they already are holding at a level to tell you what a tzaddik emet does, that means they're holding at the level. If the Arizal explains what the tzaddikim do in the book, is, is book Shar Gilgulim, and in Etzchaim, or Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in the Zohar, or Moshe Rabbeinu writing about himself, that Hashem says, Navi mikibecha kamocha, I'm going to bring prophets like you as great as you. Who's writing this down? Moshe Rabbeinu's writing this down. He's hearing dictated from Hashem, and he's writing down about his own greatness, and the greatness of the tzaddikim. Hashem implanted it in the Torah. 
You remember the famous Midrash, we mentioned, we mentioned it like hundreds of times. Vayaminu. And it's, it's very like practical. It's applying now because we're going to be reading this on the seventh day of Pesach, the splitting of the Red Sea. What do we say there in the beginning of Shirat Hayam, Az Yashir Moshe? We say there, Vayaminu Bashem Uv Moshe Avdo, right? And the Jews believed in Hashem and in Moshe his servant, right? What does the Midrash say, Yal Kuchimoni and other Midrashim? Whoever believes in Moshe Avdo automatically believes in Hashem. And whoever doesn't believe in Moshe's servant, then you should know his faith in Hashem is blemished. You cannot fully and properly believe in Hashem if you don't believe in the Tzadikim. Emunah Tzadikim contains many things. It's believing in their teachings, in their interpretation of the, of the Torah, how they interpret it, I believe in them, I trust them, to believe in their power to pray for Am Yisrael and their merits and their ability to do things. Yes, I believe in the tzaddikim. They can help me to connect to Hashem. In this sense, yes, I need this intermediary. When it comes to davening and serving Hashem, there's only God. No one in the world is saying shalom, that you're davening to somebody else. No way. When, the Jew, when Jews go to pray by graves of tzaddikim, they're not davening to the tzaddikim. They're asking for the tzaddikim to help. Like the classic example in the Gemara Sota about Kalev, who went to Hebron, Hebron. he went to Hebron to daven by the graves of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and Sarah, Rivka and Leah, and he said, my, my, my ancestors, Ha'atiru ba'adi, daven for me that I shouldn't fall into the advice, the false advice of the, of the spies. We're allowed to do that. The Torah itself tells us about it. What, it's wrong? God forbid. This is the attitude. We go to graves at Sadiqim to daven to Hashem there, because the energy level and the power, the mileage plus that you get on your davening goes far, far, far much more. So this is the thing of tzaddikim relying on them, asking them to daven for us, activate their merit, and this suit of good candles, and this merit of this tzaddik, and merit of that tzaddik. It's a big thing. It's not a joke. And it's not idolatry at all, chas shalom. But it, it, the, 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 the idea of tzaddikim and their power is big. But going back to the original topic, the tzaddikim have to let us know about their greatness. Otherwise, otherwise, how in the world are you going to know about their greatness? You know, the book Chaim Moharan, which is Rabbi Nachman's life, a portrait of Rabbi Nachman. It's been translated in English by the BRI as the book Tzaddik. So in that book, there's a sec- sections which are called Hashmatot. Hashmatot are, are excerpts that were removed because they were felt that they're too strong. Rabbi Nachman spoke so strongly about himself, his greatness, that there was a fear that people who opposed Brestov would get a hold of these statements and say, ah, you see what he says? Look at this, who talks like that, etc. So they emitted them in the original printings of the book Chaimoran. But in these last years, where anyways the Jewish population in the world is so low, and intermarriage, and, and, and people falling down, right, and, and Jews losing it, it doesn't make a difference. There's no worry about opposition. So in, just opposite. It's important, yes, to have these excerpts available, which, which was done in the English translation. They put back 98% of these excerpts where you see Rabbi Nachman speaking about himself. When a person sees this, he says, how in the world can a tzaddik talk about himself like that? How, where, where's humility? So from here we see, and Rav Nosen points this out, that this shows you that your definition of humility is incorrect. The classic big example 
is Moshe Rabbeinu himself. Moshe Rabbeinu himself, right in the parasha of the leprosy that Miriam was hit with leprosy, right? It says there, when, when Miriam and Aaron spoke bad, Lashon Hara, against Moshe Rabbeinu and his wife, whatever. So it says there, Vaish Moshe Anav Meod Mikola Adam Asher Al Adama. And the man, Moses, was the humblest of all people walking on the earth. Who wrote this verse? Who wrote this verse? Moshe Rabbeinu. If, but if now our definition is correct, that you're not allowed to speak about that about yourself, so how could Moshe Rabbeinu agree to write about himself and the man Moses was the humblest of all men? You know, Hashem is telling you, fine. But then don't write the word humility. Ah, but the Torah does write the word humility to show you that our definition is incorrect. Rabbi Nachman says this clearly, I think it's in the book Sichot Aram, Rabbi Nachman's Wisdom or Tzaddik, one of the two, that he says, it's also in Likute Moran, what am I talking about? It's in the Likute Moran, towards the end. I think the last, the last uh, lesson, 125, where Rabbi Nachman says, humility does not mean to walk around with your head down, oh, I'm a nobody, I'm a nobody, no. Humility means, you know, you know who you are, but always you have in perspective to Hashem, because in perspective to Hashem, we're all nothing. As big as a tzaddik can be, but in relation vis-a-vis to Hashem, I'm enough. I'm for sure nothing. For sure, I'm a nobody. So that's humility, that I know my place in face to God. But when I'm an accomplished person compared to other people, and they need my help, it's my duty, it's my obligation, it's my mitzvah. If I'm this tzaddik to let people know about my greatness. That's why the tzaddikim do open their mouths and speak about themselves greatly. So to answer, we don't know who's a tzaddik. We don't know. Because of that, we need that the tzaddikim open their mouths and reveal to us the greatness of the tzaddikim so that we know these are the addresses. However, however, there is a problem to this and that Rabbi Nachman writes, but the false leaders, people who are not real tzaddikim, they also speak in these high terms. They also speak highly about their greatness in this. That's how cult leaders starts and false tzaddikim, false rabbis, that they try to convince people that they have power, like Rabbi Nachman's famous funny analogy, that there was a guy hunting, there was a guy, he was uh, walking in the woods, and he had a walking stick, and he was set upon by a wolf, and he got so terrified that the wolf was going to come and eat him up, so what did he do, he tried to, he, he thought the one thing he could do is to pretend that he's shooting the wolf, so he took his stick, pointed it at the wolf, like pretending it's an actual gun, and he aimed it at the wolf and he pr- pretended that he was going pow. And when he pretended to press pow, he heard a real boom, pow, and he saw the wolf dead in front of him. So what did he begin to think? Wow, my stick can kill. Look, it killed it. What actually happened is behind him, when this was taking place, there was a real hunter who had a real gun. He saw what was transpiring. He saw what was happening. He saw this man in danger. So as soon as the man pretended to press pow on his stick, the real hunter also at the same time, the same moment, actually pressed his gun, shot the bullet. He was standing behind the man, but he aimed at the wolf and he killed the wolf. And the man with the stick began to think, it's me, I'm the real tzaddik, okay? So explains Rabbi Nachman also that you have other tzaddikim who may do miracles, whatever, but it's not from their power, or it's fake, it's someone else, and they're taking the credit. Okay, so there's a, there's a danger here. How do you know who is telling the truth and who's not? 
who's the real tzaddik, the true tzaddik that is the, uh, portrayed in his teachings and his expression, he says about it, and who's the false one who's speaking in the exact same terms and greatness and everything. So, Rav Nosen writes this, and Rabbi Nachman writes this, if this is your problem, if this is your difficulty, you don't know who to trust in, so your only avenue of hope is you have to ask Hashem. <laughs> you have to ask Hashem to find the true tzaddikim. You have to ask Hashem to open the doors to show you who is the right address. It only comes through davening. Rav Nosen's classic prayer on this, you can take a look if you'd like, is prayer number four of the Likutei Tfilot, the 50th gate, Rav Nosen's prayers. Prayer number four, Rav Nosen says, if I knew where these tzaddikim were, I would... I would jump over mountains and valleys just to come to them, just to find these tzaddikim. So if a person doesn't know the right address, because he's confused, he's frustrated, that he talks like this, but he also talks like this, and he, uh, who's the real tzaddik that's going to help me? You can also say they're all tzaddikim. Fine, they're all big tzaddikim. But who's the big one who's going to really help me to find my way out? For this, Rav Nosen says, a person needs to do a lot of davening until Hashem opens a person's eyes to see the truth and the reality. We'll finish with this. Rav Yisrael Karduner, who was a very, very special Breslaver Hasid at the turn of the century in the 1900s, the early 1900s, he died in a plague in Tveria during World War I. This man was very special, very accomplished. He did a lot. He did a lot in his short lifetime. He passed away young. He lost his kids, his family in the plague also. He left behind no children. But he did a lot to spread Rabbi Nachman's teachings. And he was an amazing example. People had a major fear of God when they just saw him and heard him davening. And even hearing him re recite the Parsha over for the Parsha of the week, people woke up just from that. Okay, So when he, he came from Hungary, from Romania, a city called Cardon, Halperin, Rav Yisrael Halperin of Cardon. And when he came to Breslev, so the person who began to teach him Likutei Moran, Rabbi Nachman's teachings, was one of Rav Nosen's primary disciples, Rav Moshe Breslev, Rav Moshe Lubarsky, who we mentioned earlier. So when they were learning together, and learning Likutei Moran, and you come across, like we mentioned already many times, the true tzaddik, the true tzaddik. So when they're learning together, Rabbi Sokadunu automatically interpreted it on his Rebbe. He had a Rebbe, a Hasidic Rebbe back there in Romania, Hungary, wherever. And whenever Rabbi Nachman spoke about the Tzadik Emet, the Tzadik Emet does this, the Tzadik does, like, does that. So he interpreted it on his Rebbe. And Ramosha Breslaver didn't say anything. He let him continue. But they reached a point, it's, I, I'm assuming it's lesson 64, where Rabbi Nachman speaks at the highest terms what a Tzadik Emet is and what he does and where he stands. So when he read that point, that piece, he said, this can't be my Rebbe. <laughs> At this point, it can't be my Rebbe, no. So on his own, he began to realize that this must be Rabbi Nachman. If he himself is explaining what level, what caliber a tzaddik emet is holding at, so he must know what it's all about, Bezat Hashem. We should be zocheh to have tzaddikim in her blood. It's something, unfortunately, in Jewish society today, which is still looked down upon, which is still looked down upon as not having a major importance. The main thing is Torah study, Torah study, it's true, and investing and building yourself and everything. And a tzaddik is, by the way, but Rabbi Nachman teaches otherwise. It says your whole success in coming close to Hashem is dependent upon the true tzaddikim. We should have the merit on this Pesach, 
like Rav Nossin writes in, in, in the Likutei Tfilot, you can take a look, it's the 50th gate, a beautiful prayer, as an amazing preparation for Yom Tov, prayer 99, Tzadik Tet of Likutei Tfilot, or the 50th gate, Rav Nossin's prayers, prayer 99, of uh, part one, there's only one. There's only one prayer, prayer ninety nine. It's in part one, where Avnosin speaks about having the merit to receive the forty nine levels of Moshe Rabbeinu's capacity. Moshe Rabbeinu, as you know, he reached the forty ninth level of holiness, of perception, which is considered the maximum a Jew can reach in this world, where level fifty is already beyond this world. And you've probably heard this many times already. Moshe Rabbeinu was buried in Har. Nevo, right? Har Nevo, the Zohar says, what's Nevo? Nun Betvav. It's as if it's written, Nun Bo, that when Moshe Rabbeinu passed away and was buried in Har Nevo, that's when he reached the 50th level, the 50th level of holiness, which is beyond this world. But n- nonetheless, Rav Nosin and Rabbi Nachman brings down that when, uh, that on Yom Tov shines the light of the Tzadikim. And the more you daven about this, you can tap into this light and this joy, especially Pesach, which is the cherut, the freedom from the evil, the freedom from the constricted mindset of, of, of every day-to-day living and everything you're going through. This is the gift of Pesach, Bezat Hashem. We should merit to have the light of the tzaddikim shine into us until we become, like what Rav Nossin writes in his introduction to Likut Alachot, Ananas al gabei anak, a midget who's standing on top of a giant. Me and myself, I'm a midget. I know I'm a midget. However, like Rav Nosson said about himself, he says, I, I know who I am. But because I received from this tzaddik the Nachal Novayam Ekochma, so I am like a midget on top of a giant. We should merit even though we're tiny people, until we get to finally being tzaddikim. In the meantime, we should be disciples of the tzaddikim, to follow them, so that we can have the standing and power of the tzaddikim, but it's not coming from us. It's like being a midget on a giant. So you're, you're taller than everybody else, you're higher, but it's not to your credit, it's to the giant you're standing upon. And I remember that, I'm just a midget. But my standing is because I'm connected to big tzaddikim. We should be married to have this connection and belief, and each one of us should find their his or her true tzaddik to follow that will bring them to their complete tikkun. Shabbat Shalom. Have a beautiful Shabbat Hagadol. Shabbat Hagadol is a big preparation. And be well and be in touch and all the best. <laughs> okay? Questions, if you want, you can always email me or WhatsApp me. Thank you very much. Be well. Shalom, shalom. Recording.